Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Hey, hey, happy three weeks to Christmas. I don't know if that's a thing, and I'm not even sure I'm happy about it. I'm looking forward to Christmas, but I can't believe it's coming so quickly. So to that end, I managed to do a smidge of Christmas shopping and Christmas browsing this weekend, (laughs) but it's coming so fast, and with it, the stretch run in the NFL. I know I say it over and over, It blows my mind that this is week 13. And we had a rematch of sorts between the Chiefs and the Bengals, their third meeting in this calendar year. We'll get to that this hour. But we're resetting with what is a devastating injury for a division leader. You can say that Jimmy Garoppolo is injury prone and the Niners should have known But that's not even fair. This isn't on him. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't put himself in a poor position. And it wasn't him being prone to getting hurt that broke his foot. But he is out for the season, expected to have surgery coming up on Monday. That's the report. And so now moving forward, Brock Purdy takes over as the starting quarterback. And his next game, oh, guess who's on the other sideline? That would be Brady. (laughs) You want to talk about intimidating. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Welcome to the NFL, Brock. Sorry. No, it's a good thing that Brock doesn't have to play Against Tom Brady, that's not how it goes. Quarterbacks don't play defense, thank God, because they'd be terrible at it. It's good thing for Brock that the 49ers defense will have the task of facing Tom Brady. But still, could you imagine? You're Brock Purdy. You get thrust into action. The Niners get a win. But you are now the starting quarterback of a team that's won five in a row and in the next game, you get a front row seat for Tom Brady, who no doubt is a quarterback that you grew up watching. You grew up watching him. <laughs> That's just how it goes in the NFL. Next man up. But I'm still so sad for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I wonder how this changes things for the Niners. That's a question that we don't have answers for yet. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. On Twitter, A-Law Radio. Before long, we'll have our new poll up. Who is the most morbid, morose, and mortified? Miserable. I've got all these M words to go along with Monday. <laughs> that seems appropriate. We'll have our Monday mortification poll up before long, so you can find it on Twitter or on our Facebook page, It's one of our most popular 
features of the entire week, of course, because misery loves company. We're live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket can. Tyreek is out left. Going to run a deep route. Chua going to step up. Oh, got hit from behind. The ball is out. It is picked up. Run back the other way by Dre Greenlaw. A scoop and score. Touchdown! San Francisco! Big play, Dre! That is the exclamation point. Dre Greenlaw with the scoop and score. 23-yard touchdown. Uh, And at that point, this was a party for the Niners on the field, but they didn't know about Jimmy Garoppolo. Kyle Shanahan had to tell them after the game. But in that moment, Greg Papa on Niners radio, it's Nick Bosa sacking Tua, forcing the fumble. Greenlaw picks it up. Partey as the Niners would move to eight and four and maintain their first place. In the NFC West. Christian McCaffrey, as I mentioned before the break, 146 total yards and a score. And even though there were two big chunk plays against that Niners defense, ultimately, you see how well they're able to contain even teams with a plethora of weapons. But this victory comes with a very steep price. No Jimmy Garoppolo the rest of the year. Just hearing it, it was, it was pretty crushing. I mean, it's, we know what Jimmy's been through, how hard he's worked at this. You know, I, I got that news a little in the second quarter, um, so it was a little different for me, even just how happy we were with that game. That was a really cool game just as a team and all the stuff that went on throughout the game and just be able to co- overcome some things, and it was so, such a special win. I told the guys right after the game, and so I know that gave them some mixed emotions fast too, but um, it was a hell of a job by Brock coming in, stepping it up. He he, um, did a real good job today, and we're going to be ready to do our best to overcome this. Just losing him from the building for a while, that's going to be tough because he's one of the heartbeats of this team. Uh, He's a guy that a lot of guys look up to. He's a constant. um, He's just a constant for us. Just to think about it kind of break my heart, you know, um, everything Jimmy's been through this offseason, not knowing he's coming back and then um, just coming back and just making the best out of every opportunity you get. And then just it kind of shocked me when he went down because, you know, um, Jimmy's a soldier. So um, he's fought through everything that came up possible. But uh, sadly, you know, um, season hinge injury. So, you know, just keep Jimmy in our press. That's the, the sentiment and the sadness of Debo Samuel talking about his quarterback and George Kittle the tight end before that. I've said it so many times, but I'll say it again. I think it's worth noting. Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't have handled the quarterback situation in San Francisco any better. Classy, gracious, professional, because after all, these are professional football players. The Niners tried to get rid of him. They tried because they wanted to clear the deck for Trey Lance. It's a good thing they didn't. But they didn't know that. They didn't know Trey would get injured. Garoppolo didn't complain, at least not publicly. He didn't whine. His agent didn't put out a press release about how he's been mistreated by the Niners. He didn't scrub the Niners from his social media. He never said a peep. Although I dare say, well, he has indicated that it's not been easy for him. And of course not. No one wants to lose their job. No one wants to get fired which is essentially what the Niners were trying to do to him. Then they couldn't find a trade partner. So what do they do? They keep him in the house. 
And obviously, it was exactly what they needed. And so Garoppolo takes over. The Niners love to play for him. You can see it, the way they respond. And now you can hear it in the voices of his teammates and his head coach, who as much as he tried to get rid of Jimmy, couldn't, and said as recently as last week, we're so grateful to have Jimmy here. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. It affects the defense as well because Garoppolo is a veteran and he he knows how to play that ball control game. He's a strong game manager. And while Brock Purdy has some positives, I'm not telling you he can't step in with all the guys, the veterans that he'll have around him, but rookie quarterbacks give it and they take it the way. It's going to be a wild ride. He's facing his first start coming up against the Buccaneers. And so for the defense, Nick Bosa... He was feeling the question after the game, do you guys on that side of the ball feel like you had to step up once Garoppolo was off the field and got hurt? No doubt, yeah. Whenever something like that happens, I feel awful for Jimmy. I'm not sure what it is, but um, whenever somebody like that goes down, Brock did an amazing job. Uh, I'm happy for him, but defense stepped up. The defense is the baseline for this Niners team. It's the foundation. As long as that defense stays healthy, they have a chance to win. But man, this changes almost everything. You can win with more of a a wild ride, more of a roller coaster ride, but the Niners had just settled in and now it's likely to be wild pendulum swings and challenges. And I heard Kyle Shanahan on Westwood One following the game. There was a a long soundbite with him in which he was talking about, yes, how much it sucks for Jimmy and how crushed he is for him. But also, this is what the Niners do. How many times did they face adversity like this and had to figure out another way to win? They got to change direction. And that's part of becoming a champion. But, you know, no rookie quarterback has ever led his team to a Super Bowl win. There have been rookies who've come real close, but never a win. As for Brock Purdy, two touchdowns, an interception, and he seemed like he was ready when he stepped on the field. Just going out, running our plays. And honestly, for me, it was it's always a challenge every single week going against guys like Fred and, and Dre and Huff. So like I've continued to you know chip away every single week. Um, but it was nice knowing that I could just go through my progressions, like we're calling it, you know, because they're running that same offense. But um, yeah, this week was just like any other week in terms of you know trying to chip away and do my thing and try to get better and find ways to find an edge to get better. All right. So your emotions during the week were the same because you had no idea that you were going to be entering the game in such a big moment. What about, though, when your number was called? I feel like there was a little, you know, just like the whole butterfly feeling of, all right, man, like, we're going in. Let's do this. It wasn't like, you know, I was out there, like, shaking and like, oh, shoot, what do I do? What's my read? <laughs> None of that, man. It's every single week I act like I'm the, you know, starter. I got to prepare like I'm the starter. And, um, you know, my name was called. Coach Greasy said, let's roll. 
I will admit to some moments where in situations that matter to me so much, I have done a little shaking when the microphone went on. (laughs) The first game I called for Westwood One, uh, college basketball play-by-play, I was shaking so hard that I was almost stuttering. (laughs) Like, uncontrollably. That never happens to me. But sometimes you just can't help it when you're nervous. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. So the Niners get the win. They maintain their first place status in the NFC West. Meanwhile, the Dolphins, who were hoping to get that ninth win and tie the Bills, at least in terms of wins. None of that, man. Atop the AFC East, they fall short. And this was a game in which we saw the other side of Tua. The side of Tua we haven't seen since he returned from injury. Four turnovers for the Dolphins, and he was also sacked three times. It's hard to to win a game when, you know, when when you're not on your P's and Q's, and you're you know you're you're not dialed in. And so, um, a, a lot of that has to do, you know, a lot of that has to do with, you know, just understanding what we're trying to accomplish and what we're trying to do. Tua got banged up in this game a little bit too and ended up leaving the field for a short time. So was able to finish. But Skylar Thompson uh, back on the field just briefly, long enough to throw an interception. Uh, and so, <laughs> yeah, so not all the turnovers were Tua's. Uh, he was able to return to the game and he promises that this is not the Dolphins you'll see the rest of the way. Don't think that that we're, we're taking this lightly and we're just going to move on from it. Um, you know, a great opportunity for us um, that we'll, we'll use and, and take coming into the, the L.A. game next week. As frustrating as it was, um, you know, I think that we are well equipped and we have the guys in the locker room um, that collectively will, will take this um, piece of adversity and, and get better from it. And that's the objective. The Niners defense definitely got the best of the Dolphins, right? So when you look at the numbers, they bear that out. But it's not just the numbers. It's also really the how stymied they were. And you can hear the frustration in their voices. And so ultimately with Mike McDaniel, former offensive coordinator of the Niners, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, there's all kinds of guys that were part of this team last year. But how about this? And I know Miami fell into a little bit of a hole, but it's not as though they needed to abandon the run completely. This is a testament to the Niners defense and what they were doing on their defensive front. Fierce, tough, tenacious, daring the Dolphins to run the football, but they gave up trying. Eight total carries. Eight. That's it. Mostert with seven. Wilson with a single carry. He'd been the feature back for the Dolphins since he was traded there before the deadline. 33 yards rushing for Miami. That's it. This is a team that wants to go well over 150 when they can. Instead, it was 121 yards rushing for San Francisco, that ball control game, which is going to suit them well without Jimmy Garoppolo. Mr. Relevant is what Greg Papa called him after his second touchdown pass of that opening half. And I love it. It's an amazing story. He was literally an afterthought. Drafted very last pick because the Niners didn't have anything else they liked. They weren't planning on using this guy, but maybe thought they needed a backup because they were hoping to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> Mr. Relevant. The whole thing is goofy, and I'm, I'm sad for Jimmy, but this is so typical of the NFL. 
When you think you know and you think you have a plan, the NFL laughs in your face. So the Niners remain atop the NFC West, and we will talk about the Seahawks and their campaign on Sunday against the Los Angeles Rams. They're going the wrong way. Do you know that no team, no defending Super Bowl team, has ever done what the Rams just accomplished on Sunday? Thanks for hanging out with us. Very soon, we'll have your poll up, your mortification Monday, because we want you to pick the team and probably the fan base that is most miserable and morose like Eeyore on Monday. Even though it's the Christmas season, sometimes our teams are not in the giving mood. Something's wrong with you. (laughs) There's so many things wrong with you. Me. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Gino from the shotgun. Has time. Looks. He's going to throw in the back corner. Wide open. Touchdown! Seahawks! No offense! And he's going to run and slap high fives with all the 12s who are in the end zone suites that are normally populated by Rams fans. But they are all gone today, and they're filled with the 12s. And they are celebrating, and the Seahawks take a 13-10 lead. It's time to pull on the pads and hit somebody. On After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. Steve Rabel, voice of the Seattle Seahawks and their radio network. And Geno Smith, once again, dealing. In the first half, he had a pair of touchdown passes against the Los Angeles Rams. One to Tyler Lockett, one to Noah Fant. And the Seahawks were up 14-13 at the half. Uh, Later in the game, we see John Wolford's rhythm and and groove. So I know that he's missing Cooper Cup, and they're just not the same team that they have been, obviously. Uh, We won't see Matthew Stafford the rest of the way, but I have seen him settle in a little bit. I'm not telling you that he's going to be Joe Burrow anytime soon, Uh, but what I have seen is they've changed their play calling. They're focusing more and more on the run game, if at all possible. The offensive line is doing a good job um, in in terms of clearing lanes. And so we're seeing more emphasis on the run, but we're also seeing Walford deliver. Um, And again, we're, we're talking about a receiving core that is massively depleted where your top receiver, once again, is Tutu Atwell. Nothing against Tutu on... On Sunday, you'll understand why I'm telling you this. On Sunday morning, I I got into uh, the gym where I teach fourth and fifth graders at my church, and there was a ginormous blown-up hippo wearing a tutu. (laughs) And so I was asking the kids, what's your favorite Christmas song? And after they told me all of theirs, I, of course, mentioned I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) And they wanted me to sing it. And I said, no. (laughs) For obvious reasons. But we did name the giant blown up hippopotamus. And yes, in fact, she was wearing a tutu. In fact, one of the boys said to me, he gave me a boy's name, Harry. And I said, well, unless that's short for Harriet, our hippo is wearing a tutu. So let's not put a boy in a tutu, at least not today. (laughs) 
Woods After Hours here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, back to the football game. 2-2 Atwell, yada, yada. So the Rams are trailing by four, and John Wolford directs a touchdown drive. And, and again, as I say, what's most important here and what major adjustment that we've seen with Sean McVay and his offense is that they are going heavy on the run. So Cam Akers, who was persona non grata earlier in the season and they were looking to trade him, is now once again a feature back. Ninth play of the drive. Wolford gives to Akers, finds a crease behind his blocks, reaching for the end zone. He's got it. Touchdown, Cam the Ram. Touchdown, L.A. With 2.56 remaining in regulation at SoFi Stadium, the Rams are back on the high side. Cam the Ram. I've not heard that before, but I like it. J.B. Long on Rams Radio. Touchdown, Cam the Ram! (laughs) And the Rams take the lead. What? Seahawks better find another gear, but they do. They respond with 10 plays and 75 yards, and once again... You don't have to be Geno's biggest fan, but you do have to respect what he has done this season. Geno takes the snap, four-man rush. Going to half roll, throws back inside, reaching up, making a catch. Touchdown, Seahawks! Are you kidding me? It is DK Metcalf. Ramsey was all over him. DK puts those big mitts up and says, that ball is mine. And the Seahawks take the lead, 26-23. What a dart. Empty backfield, last chance for the Rams. 20 seconds left. Wolford steps up in the pocket. He's got time. He's going to fire down the middle. It's going to be picked off. Seahawks are going to win this game. Cody Barton slides down at the 30-yard line. The Seahawks are going to hang on. And they're going to win this game after two straight losses. And the Rams are going to lose their sixth straight. Apparently, it's the first time a defending Super Bowl champion has ever lost six games in a row in the following season. So, yes, the Rams are making dubious history in the NFL. Meanwhile, Seattle, I like the fight. Now it's 7-5, first with the offense, the touchdown drive, Geno to DK Metcalf. He was a brute on this day. 36 seconds to go. So a little bit of that clutch Dean for Gino. Oh, I didn't even mean that. I swear. But now it's going to stick with us. And they go up 27-23 only to have Cody Barton seal the win in L.A. with the interception. And yeah, even though they no longer have first place in the NFC West, they are keeping stride with the Niners. As we continue on late into the season, uh, you know, you want to show improvement. And I think that's what it showed, uh, a lot of grit, um, determination. You see uh, a bunch of different guys made plays, uh, made catches, and the offensive line did a great job. And so, uh, you know, it's something that we got to have. You know, the games are going to come down to that in the NFL. That's what the playoff games are going to feel like. And uh, it was real good to get a win. Some really exciting things happened, you know, on our side, the way we finished, and uh, on both sides of the ball, um, particularly to see Gino have the chance to go down and take the team down the field and do it and just execute his tail off and, and have a huge game again, numbers-wise. Um, it's just what he's doing. This is the season that he's playing, and we're lucky to have him. Gino Smith has a humongous proponent in Pete Carroll, and we're seeing once again that Pete Carroll can coach any of the players Uh, that are on his roster, Uh, and he's told us that in a moment of I told you so or in a moment of vindication, he's pointed out that lots of people thought this season would be a wash for the Seahawks, and that's true, and yet here they are 
with their 7-5 and five record, a game back of the Niners in the NFC West. And remember, in the NFC, you've got four teams in the Beast, the East. Yeah, it doesn't get to be called the Beast after a tie. But you've got four teams in the East Division that are above 500. Then you've got the Vikings. And then the Niners and the Seahawks. That's it in terms of teams above 500. So just counting up playoff spots. And we'll see if the Commanders and Giants tie on their records, gives them a leg up or holds them down one or the other. It kind of depends upon what the rest, excuse me, what, what the rest of the teams do. Don't ask me why I just hiccuped. NFL makes me hiccup. But right now, if you're looking at wild cards, they would come down to Dallas, New York, Washington, Seattle. And we don't know yet who will win the NFC West. But there could be a wild card that comes out of the West. There could be three that come out of the East. There's not a whole lot of competition beyond those teams, though there's always the chance Atlanta could get back in the mix. Or even the Lions, if, as crazy as it sounds, they're now 5-7. and seven. They're not that far out. They're just a couple games out of a wild card spot. So there's still a lot that must be settled in the NFC, but the Seahawks are doing everything within their power to stay in the conversation and defy those who brilliantly predicted what would happen in the NFC West. Yes, I'm being sarcastic. It is my love language. Producer Jay and I were just talking about which teams most deserve to be in our Monday mortification poll. We haven't yet decided, but we'll put that up soon on Twitter after our CBS. That's our show account. You can also find us on Facebook and then our YouTube channel. You got the holiday edition of Ask Amy Anything and Producer Jay doesn't know this. But we were also going to be recording another video sometime in the next week or so. (laughs) You're welcome. Okay. (laughs) Let's do it. I knew you wouldn't be upset about that. Usually it's Jay who drags me kicking and screaming. And yes, sometimes I do kick him. No, I don't. Oh my gosh, no, I don't. People would believe that though because they think I'm so mean to you. Seriously. That's the thing? That's the thing. I'm so mean to you. So I don't actually kick people. I try to kick Trip. my cat every now and then, but she's too quick for me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm telling she people telling people things about this. Oh, you guys should see the picture I took of my cat on Sunday afternoon. Both of my pets prefer to sleep during football. They just they feel like that's the best way to 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 tough it out. And my cat's favorite place to sleep when I do leave a laundry basket on the couch. So sometimes I do the laundry. It's clean. I leave it in a basket on the couch until I have a chance to fold it. And the cat loves to hide behind the laundry basket and sleep. Except for on Sunday, she wasn't quite behind the basket. She was tucked in, though. And the only thing you could see really were her her ears and her face uh, from out behind the laundry basket. And she was out cold I sent the picture to producer Jay because for some reason Jay likes the cat. Uh, so some reason. <laughs> she was she actually looked sleep uh, really sweet when she was sleeping, but that's the extent of it. Only because she's not howling at me. She looked like she was very snug. I was very jealous. She, at the time. Yeah, she was snug as a bug to be sure. 
Uh, so I don't know why we're talking about cats. Why are we talking about cats? I don't know. The li- reason because <laughs> because the the lions. Uh, so I heard someone actually say this. I'm trying to think who this was. It was someone on NFL Network, and I was I was I don't know. It just sounded weird. Uh, the battle of the kitties between the jaguars and the lions. It's not <laughs> wrong. It's like, accurate. I know, but ew. <laughs> the kitties. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> Okay. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Hurts on the gun. He's got Sanders to his right. Hurts is back. He's looking. Still looking. Still looking. Now he's going deep to A.J. Brown, who catches it and walks in for a touchdown. Walks in for a touchdown. Now there's another penalty fly. So Let's see about this. Illegal contact. Yes. Touchdown. It's another touchdown. Hurts back, pumps, looks. He is floating it deep for A.J. Brown, who has it. He took it. And he scores. A.J. Brown took it away from Trey Avery and scored his second touchdown of the game. It's a football feeding frenzy. After Hours with Amy Lawrence. A.J. Brown. Getting reacquainted with his former teammates, the Tennessee Titans. Heard him talk about how the trade was painful. It irked him a bit. He didn't love the way that the Titans were willing to trade him away instead of pay him the contract that he got with Philadelphia. Instead of pay him what so many other top flight wide receivers were getting around the NFL this past offseason. I suppose you can translate that into... The Titans didn't think he was worth it. Well, he's become the number one receiver for the Eagles. And yet again, flexing his muscles in this game against his former team. And that second touchdown catch, the 29-yarder, Merrill Reese on Eagles Radio, a brilliant catch. Not only does he have to get in position, but he has to wrestle it away from the defense. And a perfect throw from Jalen Hurts, who is locked in. The final touchdown for these Eagles, and I highlight this because it was death by a thousand paper cuts for the Titans. When you're trailing, you just want the ball back. You want the ball back to be able to make some noise. But in this case, unfortunately for... The Tennessee Titans, they could not get the ball away from the Eagles. Nine minutes and 51 seconds. Nine minutes and 51 seconds. That was the last touchdown drive for Philadelphia. A slow and painful death in the pit of Sarlock. The stomach of Sarlock. (laughs) You're just going to have to look that up if you don't know what I'm talking about. Oh my gosh, I identified myself as a Star Wars nerd on Sunday morning to my kids. And there was one young boy, a fourth grader, who just nodded and smiled. He got very excited. Aaron, he'd rather play with Legos and watch Star Wars than play sports. And I love him for that. 16 plays, 9 minutes and 51 seconds. 
and the Eagles cap it with a Miles Sanders touchdown and the final 35-10 against the Titans. So, yeah, Jalen Hurts, this offense able to do whatever, whenever. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. Jalen with 392 total yards and four touchdowns against Tennessee. The big thing here in the bigger picture here is, is when your opportunity comes um, for us to be successful as a team, every man has to be able to step up and take advantage of the opportunity. And we've been fortunate to have guys like AJ and Smitty take advantage of those opportunities when they come. Miles, take advantage of those opportunities when they come. Um, everybody, Jack Stoll and Grant stepping up and making some big time catches today. Reed on defense. Um, Nicobe Dean stepping in there towards the end of the game today. Everybody, everybody you know. Everybody has a role to play, and, um, you know, you just have to dominate your box and, and, and master your role, and I think um, I credit Coach Sirianni for driving that message. Played good at every every phase of this game, right? Offense, defense, special teams. Offensively, we had things that we got to clean up, some pre-snap penalties, um, you know, and so we're, we'll get better from that. Uh, there's some there's some ways we can we can do that and, and clean that up. So I got to do a better job coaching it, and uh, we'll clean that up. But yeah, it was a pretty complete game for us, and I think that's a really good football team. That's true, but the Titans definitely have deficiencies, and when they can't run the ball, that is it's glaring. Derrick Henry held to just 30 yards on 11 carries. Now, they granted, they were trying to come from behind, but uh, is he still their best option? Meanwhile, Philadelphia didn't run the ball nearly as much as what they typically would. They didn't need to. A.J. Brown with a massive game, eight catches, 119 yards, two touchdowns, and a big smile. I was just trying to be consistent, you know. Um, that was my focus. It wasn't about who we playing, you know, regardless. Of course, you know, I wanted to have a good day, but um, I just kept my emotions down all week and just focused on what I needed to focus on. Um, and, you know, and then today I ran it out, let it all loose. It was pretty sweet for AJ to have that game. I know, I know that was important to him. But he, you know, what was cool was he didn't. I didn't feel him press all week. I just felt him going through his normal process, and that's what it takes, right? Because you can't get up for one game and not get up for another game. You got to treat them all the same. And I and I saw AJ do that and handle that like a pro this week. The Eagles moved to eleven and one, still the best record in the league by two games, two games clear of the Cowboys. And two, oh, no, I should, I take that back. Two games clear of the Cowboys in their own division, but a game better than the Vikings, who moved to 10 and 2. We'll get to them next hour here on CBS Sports Radio. As for the Titans, they still have a firm grip on the AFC South because they're the only team above 500 at 7 and 5, but they have dropped back to back games. Just crazy that in the two South divisions combined, there's just one team one team that is above 500 and Mike Vrabel actually defending his quarterback on this day I think we struggled everywhere today you know everybody's quick to to make it about one guy but uh it's never about one guy we've been down this road before so you know when when you when you get beat you know there's a lot of things that went wrong and uh, certainly we'll have to you know look at a a bunch of different things you have to understand it's you know how critical it is to you know, protect your quarterback. You know, when your quarterback you know, gets hit, um, nothing good can come of it. We're going to find out what we're about. You know, I think uh, we have a resilient group. Uh, we're tough and, um, and have bounced back from a lot before, and I believe we'll bounce back from this. You know, got to um, make the corrections that need to be made and come, come ready to go tomorrow and, and this week 
to uh, to win one game. At the end of the day, um, this one's done. It stings. It hurts. We're all disappointed. We're all frustrated, mad, angry, every emotion you can name it. But uh, have to be able to get over it and get ready to go in the next one. Gut check time for the Tennessee Titans, who were the number one seed in the AFC last year. Not going to be that this year, though likely still a division winner. And Vrabel points to his quarterback under duress this entire game. Six sacks at the hands of the Eagles and nine other QB hits. It's after hours, CBS Sports Radio. We're going to stay in the NFC East where I can't call it the beast on this edition of the show because there was a tie and I know I'm giving away the ending first, but I can't, I just, I can't. With ties in the NFL, it's just wrong. <laughs> this is a game that had a fair number of emotional swings. So Daniel Jones has a fumble on the very first possession. Washington's able to build a seven-point lead. But then Taylor Heineke fumbles to start the third quarter, and it's instant red zone for New York. Isaiah Hodgins, his first ever NFL touchdown catch, a 10-yard variety from Daniel Jones. And the Cowboys, Cowboys, sorry, Total mistake. Sorry, Jay. <laughs> I was talking about the NFC East and it just, it's a Freudian slip. The Giants lead 20 to 13 after the third quarter. And then you have a bunch of empty possessions and Washington is running out of time. They've got the ball in the 10, their own 10 yard line with three minutes and 43 seconds left in the fourth quarter. But this is when Heineke does his best work on Sunday. Washington's got a shot here, first and 10 there at the New York 28. Empty backfield for Heineke. Three wide receivers to the right, two to the left. Heineke's going to throw again, steps back underneath. Open Dotson at the 20, turns the corner 15, spins at the 10. He's going in. Touchdown. Touchdown, Washington. Unbelievable catch and run by Jahan Dotson. Out the rookie, he came in with four receiving touchdowns. We said it's been a while since we've seen him in the end zone. Yes, sir, number one. On Commander's Radio, Jahan Dotson, he had the touchdown catch, but Heineke's favorite receiver on that drive, Curtis Samuel. They trotted out Curtis Samuel for three catches, and two of them were chunk plays. And so with 1.45 to go, the Commanders tie the game. I mean, there's a lot of time left, right? The Giants get a shot. The Commanders even get another shot. They go into overtime tied at 20. They have seven more possessions after that touchdown. Seven more possessions between the two teams. The first six end in punts. Finally, thank the Lord, someone lines up for a field goal. Janelle gets lined up. It'll be a 58-yarder from the right hash to win the game in overtime. Gill in the hold. Play clock is at five. Snap, spot, kick on its way. End over end, and it is short. I don't know if it was deflected, but Gano didn't get it cleanly. And this game has ended this is the end of in a tie. Boo. Boo. The Giants 20, Washington 20. I think we're all pretty disappointed with the, with the result. I hope uh, so. Certainly not the one we, uh, we were looking for. So uh, we'll go back to work and uh, clean up a lot of things. But... Yeah, I think it's safe to say we're we're disappointed, but uh, looking forward to getting back to work and, and working on the things we got to improve on. It's not a loss. It's not a it's not a win either. So I think you know you understand that part of it. But um, I think just just disappointed that we could have could have played better, could have taken advantage of some situations and and won the game. So that's the the disappointing part.
almost feels like a loss. Um, yeah. But, you know, obviously it doesn't really affect us in that way. Um, obviously, you want to win every game. Uh, we felt like we had an opportunity there at the regulation and at overtime, and we just didn't capitalize. So, you know, we'll see these guys again in two weeks. Even the fans are still standing in the stands like, we go to PKs or what do we do? But, uh, you know, the thing about that is it doesn't help us, but it doesn't really hurt us either. Ew. Terry McLaurin at least can make a joke. He has eight catches for over 100 yards and a score. Taylor Heineke before that on the NFL Network, and they both said the same thing. It doesn't feel like a win. It feels more like a loss, but it doesn't hurt us the same way in the standings. We'll see. I mean, it could help them or it could hurt them, depending upon how the rest of the NFC plays out. Uh, Saquon Barkley held to 63 yards and... The, the Washington defense was able to get to Daniel Jones a fair amount, four sacks, uh, though he did have 71 yards rushing, so his legs really helped him in that situation. Interestingly enough, though, for the Giants and Brian Dayball, who yet again, I thought he might spontaneously combust on the I'm sidelines. I'm really happy. <laughs> they're in a stretch now with four straight NFC East games. So they actually have the Eagles next week. And then the Giants again, sorry, and then the Commanders again. So they're in this stretch where they are make or break inside their division, make or break when it comes to a wild card. And so, yeah, for the Giants, they will turn around and play the Commanders in two weeks, but that's Washington's next game because they have a bye in week 14. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.